This episode is sponsored by Rulin Group. There are four gifts I've received over the years that really stood out, and the common link between all of them is each one was sourced through the Ruling Group. If you want to deliver amazing gifts that capture people's attention, go to GiversEdge.com to learn more. Welcome to the Grow My Revenue Business Cast with Ian Altman unconventional strategies for selling, innovation, and leadership. Ian interviews some of the brightest minds who share proven methods to help you achieve success and grow revenue with integrity. Every episode concludes with a quick recap of actionable steps you can take to deliver tangible, immediate results for your business. Now, here's your host, Ian Altman. Hey, it's Ian Altman. On this episode, it's all about sales, I'll be speaking with you on my own, talking about three things that are really common questions I get all the time that have to do with getting to the right people inside your client organization. The first one is we're going to talk about the idea of gatekeepers. Are they friend or foe? The second is the notion of how we earn attention. And I'm going to talk about how we get the right people involved and kind of dispel some rumors about things we've been taught in the past that don't necessarily lead to honest information. So let's dive right in. So I was talking to Rich recently, and Rich is a client of mine. He came to me and he said, hey, listen, you know, so I'm talking to this one organization, but they have this gatekeeper who's getting in the way. How do I get around the gatekeeper? And I know it's a common question that a lot of people ask. First, why do we have to get around the gatekeeper? And one of the best things we can do is first appreciate and understand the purpose of the gatekeeper. Now, the gatekeeper's job is to protect the time of the executive who they're the gatekeeper for. Now, if we're in an environment like that, then actually all the dishonest things that people typically do, like they call up and pretend that they're actually a friend of the person, they'll call up and say, oh, yeah, just tell him he'll know who it is things like that, start the whole dialogue in a dishonest conversation. It's just a bad way to go. Now, years ago in my prior business, I did a lot of work in the insurance industry. And there was a guy, Don Herzler, who was the CEO of Middle Markets for Zurich Insurance. And Don's a great guy. I stay in touch with him to this day. And Don's assistant was a woman named Mary Fall. And Mary was top-notch, absolutely just wonderful human being. And anytime something new would come up, a new opportunity that we wanted to be engaged in or we thought we did, I would often call up Mary and say, hey, Mary, can you do me a favor? Can you help us out? Is this something that's important to Don? Or is this something that other people are just running off on their own about? And Mary would get to the bottom of it because I was being respectful of her position and her time. And she knew I didn't want to waste Don's time or the company's time and resources or her time for that matter on something that wasn't important. So I made sure that it was clear that I engaged Mary in the process. I didn't try and circumvent her. In fact, she's someone who we developed, I think, a great mutual respect for one another because she knew that I was looking out for them and I knew that she was looking out for us and her company. Now, the other other dynamic here is that The gatekeepers, or especially people who are those executive assistants, control a couple important things you need to recognize. One is they often control the executive's calendar. 
And the second is that there are people who are typically pre-wired to help other people. So if I call up and basically try and railroad or steamroll over someone like Mary, I'm going to get kicked to the curb, and rightfully so. But instead, if I said to her, hey, listen, can you help me out? This is someone who's predisposed to help people. And now I'm actually giving her the respect that she's due because Mary, in this case, is somebody who has a ton of authority, a ton of responsibility, is sharp as a tack, and she can decide how she wants to handle that information. Now, I can only do that if I'm sincerely looking out for the best interest of my client. If I'm just using it as some tactic, guess what? People in that position know, and they can sniff out rats in a heartbeat. So it gets back to this idea of integrity. Now, the, the second point I was going to talk about is this idea of earning attention. The reason I'm bringing it up right now is because these are interrelated. When we're trying to gain and earn the attention of a senior executive. Oftentimes, we talk about the things that we do. Instead, we have to think about what's important to them on their end. And that's where earning attention becomes incredibly valuable. And what we have to think about is this. There's research I've done in how executives make decisions. And what it comes down to is this. Executives, make when they're making decisions, first ask, what problem does this solve? Then, why do I need it? Then they ask, what's the likely outcome or result? So what problem does it solve, why do I need it, and what's the likely outcome or result if I move forward with this? Now, the other hidden question there is what happens if I don't move forward? What happens if I don't implement this, which is basically the pain threshold for whether or not they're going to move forward? So if I know that, if I know that what it comes down to is what problem do we solve and why do we need it and what's the likely outcome or result, then don't jump in with your features and benefits. Don't jump in saying, oh, I just want 10 minutes of so-and-so's time. Don't jump in with, oh, I'm going to be in the area. I'd like to stop by because all those are pedestrian tactics that just don't work with anybody credible. So instead, what you may want to do is, let's say I was talking to Mary. I may have called up Mary and said, hey, listen, Mary, when I talk to heads of other insurance companies, what they tell us is that they often struggle with this issue of managing their rates across business units. And they tell us that when they get that stuff wrong, they end up with fines and they end up leaving a lot of money on the table. Now, I don't even know if the same results that we've seen for other companies would apply at your business. But if that's something that's important to Don, I'd be happy to talk to him to see whether or not we might be able to help. Now, what I'm doing there is I'm saying what problem we solve and why people need it. Notice the problem we solved in that case was insurance companies dealing with their rate information across business units or functional companies. The why it's so important to solve it is because when that happens, they leave money on the table or they get fined. And the results I talked about is, yeah, I don't know if we can get the results that other people have, which are extraordinary, but I'm happy to talk to Don to see whether or not it might be a fit. Now, that means you have to do some research. You have to do a little bit of advanced work to know what might be important to that company. But that's our job in a sales role, is to uncover that type of information to know what it is. Now, one of the ways that we do that is through an exercise that my buddy Bob London refers to as the elevator rant, where what I want you to think about is, what are the main complaints that your customers would have? What would they be ranting about? that would give you an indicator that maybe you can help them. 
And if you literally think about it as you're in an elevator and someone gets on and goes, man, I'm sick and tired of X, and they're talking to one of their colleagues and you get to overhear it, what would it sound like so you would know, wow, no one's better at helping these people than we are? Now, if you combine those together, then what happens is you now have a way to entice the interest of your ideal client using something that in same-side selling we refer to as the same-side pitch, which follows this model of entice, disarm, and discover. So the format that I used in that example with Mary was, hey, Mary, when insurance executives come to us, so right out of the shoot, I'm saying that insurance executives come to us, they often complain that They've got multiple business units, and managing the rates across those becomes really cumbersome. And if they get it wrong, they either end up with regulatory fines or they leave a lot of money on the table. So that's the entice part. For the right organizations, they tell us that we're delivering amazing results to get that nailed down once and for all. But I don't yet know, here's the disarm, but I don't yet know enough about your situation to know whether or not we can help. But if that's something that's important to Don, then I'm happy to get on a call and have a quick discussion to see whether or not we might be able to help. And now I'm triggering that discovery phase to learn more to see whether or not we can help. So that's how we kind of get past the gatekeeper or work with the gatekeeper, rather, and then earn the attention of our client. Now, once we're meeting with this client, what's the focus of our meeting? Well, the focus of our meeting is to make sure that we understand what their issue is, how that issue is impacting their organization, and how important it is to solve that issue compared to other things on their plate. The other thing we need to understand is what are the results associated with solving that challenge? Now, these are three of the four elements combined into what I call the same side quadrants. The idea of the same side quadrants is that if you think about it, you take a sheet of paper and you break it into four quadrants. You draw a vertical line down the center, a horizontal line across the middle. In the upper left, you write the word issue. In the upper right, the words impact and importance. In the lower left, the word results. In the lower right, others impacted. And I'll get to others impacted in a moment. Now, as we meet with our client, when they talk about their issue, which is kind of the superficial stuff that they that we hear about up front, kind of the tip of the iceberg, we capture that information in the upper left quadrant where we have issue. Now, as we start talking about the consequences of not solving that problem, that's where we put our notes in the upper right quadrant under impact and importance. The difference between impact and importance is impact is often something we can measure financially or numerically in whatever currency is important to the client. If you're dealing with a government client, it may not be the actual dollars. It might be their constituents being served. It might be their ability to confidently and capably explain something to somebody um, in a legislative body. The idea is that you got to find out whatever currency matters to them. Now, so if we assume that it's a financial currency, then using the example I did before in in this insurance area, it would be, well, initially they're struggling to get their rates aligned across these business units. The impact would be the actual dollar amount of the regulatory fines and the amount of money they're leaving on the table. Importance is a relative term, meaning compared to other things on your plate, how important is to solve this? Now, remember, the way people approve decisions because I want to make sure you understand where this is coming from. The way people approve decisions is what problems to solve, why do I need it, and what's the likely result or outcome. So the first two, issue 
and impact importance get to what problem it solves and why we need it. Now we have to get to the results. So we might ask questions like, so how would you know six months out, 18 months out, whether or not this was important? How would we figure that out to know whether or not we were successful? And we start capturing the notes about that discussion in the results quadrant. And they might say, well, you know, we, we, would, uh, we would reduce the amount of fines we're getting dramatically. Okay, by what percentage? And we start having that discussion. Then we might say, well, so, uh, so I get all that. So now here's our issue. Here's the impact importance. Here's the, re- here's the results we're looking for. But what we don't know at that point is who else needs to be involved. And the mistake that a lot of people have been taught is is to ask the question, who is the decision maker? The problem with that question is that you never get an honest answer. There's a couple reasons for that. The first is you're implying whoever you're talking to isn't the decision maker. You're also kind of suggesting that they're not important. You're just going to try and get to somebody else. So it's just a bad approach that has the best of intentions, just doesn't work very well. So instead, here are the types of questions that you can ask to uncover who's actually, who actually needs to be involved. And the way we'll ask questions is something like this. So when we're talking about impact and importance, we would say, well, who else would have input in how we measure that impact of the organization? What other business units and areas most directly feel the impact associated with this? And we're going to keep track in the lower right quadrant in that area of others impacted of that information. In the lower left, under results, we might ask, well, who else would have input into how we measure the results? Who else would have input as to what the success criteria is for this project? Now, if we capture all that under others impacted, we're going to have a pretty good idea who needs to be involved. Now, here's the magic question we ask. So who's likely to chime in in the last hour and either bless this thing or derail the whole deal? And pay attention because that's an instrumental person who's got to be involved in this process. If the client doesn't suggest that someone in purchasing a procurement needs to be involved and you know that in their type of organization, purchasing a procurement has to be involved, suggest their inclusion. Because if you don't include them early enough in the process, Something's going to happen to derail the deal in the end. You want to make sure you get all the players around the table and so that you don't have any surprises. And that's the way we get there. It used to be that the way organizations were taught to qualify opportunities was something called BANT, B-A-N as in Nancy T, which was budget, authority, need, and timing. So when you qualified opportunities, you would qualify based on budget. Do they have a budget? Authority meaning is the person you're talking to have the authority to buy, needs, which I actually do agree with, and then time sensitivity. Well, the problem with BANT is that budget is the most misleading piece of information you could possibly have because if your client has completely underestimated what it's going to cost, then whatever you tell them is going to sound too high. The idea of authority, even if you're dealing with a CEO, when I was dealing with Don, There's things that Don was supportive of, but guess what? He wanted to make sure his whole team was on board. Otherwise, they could make an investment and not get the results. Now, needs are very important. And in fact, needs can be encapsulated into issue, impact, and importance. And then timing comes down to, if I know the relative importance, I'm going to have a sense of what the timing is associated with that opportunity. So instead of qualifying on BANT, 
let's qualify using the same side quadrants of issue in the upper left, impact and importance in the upper right, results in the lower left, and others' impact in the lower right. If you follow this model, you'll have a concrete view of the real opportunities in your business. The other thing is that when your client convinces you that their issue has enough impact and is important enough to solve, they're also convincing themselves. And that means that people are going to now be able to compare the investment to the actual impact of the organization and results rather than some arbitrary number like a budget. So remember, when we're dealing with the gatekeeper, the idea is not to get around the gatekeeper, but instead embrace the gatekeeper and ask for their help. Recognize their job is to protect an executive, and if you can show them that you're respectful of that time too, they may be willing to help you. Part of that is earning attention by focusing on the problems you're good at solving and recognizing how executives make decisions. And that way, when you're talking about the, the types of problems that you solve, you can immediately attract their attention using the same side pitch of entice, disarm, and discover. And then when it comes to getting to the right people, leverage the same side quadrants in your meetings to capture notes. In the end, ask those questions that really allow you to get an understanding of who needs to be involved in the mix. So these are the keys to getting to the gatekeeper and embracing, embracing them to help you find the right opportunities to earn the attention and getting to the right people. And remember, you want to qualify using the same side quadrants, not qualify using that old method of band. Hopefully, this gives you insight in how to get there with integrity. Remember, this show gets its direction from you, the listener. If there's a guest you feel I should have on, if there's a topic you'd love for me to cover, just drop me a note personally at ian.altman at growmyrevenue.com. Have an amazing week, add value, and grow revenue in a way everybody can embrace, even your customer. Thank you for joining us each week for the Grow My Revenue Business Cast with Ian Altman. Unconventional strategies for selling, innovation, and leadership. Be sure to subscribe to our program on iTunes or Stitcher. Don't miss Ian's weekly newsletter and be a part of the conversation on growmyrevenue.com and via Twitter at Grow My Revenue.